your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Blake Bowman, welcome to the show. Anthony, what's up, man? (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to hang out with you. Take me back four years ago. Today, you're like one of the best in the world at helping people get out of physical pain through corrective exercise and medicinal herbs and supplements. But four years ago, you were in a different spot. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, going back even before that, you know, I had been athletic all my life. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of different combat sports, wrestling, jujitsu, judo, stuff like that. Um, and pretty much when I graduated high school, I just like stopped doing all of that and became like a total bro. And I just wanted to be like as jacked as possible, you know? So I just started lifting weights exclusively doing a lot of really heavy compound lifts. And, you know, when I started to, you know, right around my like 19th, 20th birthday, somewhere in between there, I, uh, started to experience like these chronic injuries that, uh, were just getting worse and worse as I was, uh, progressing through my training, you know? So it was, uh, kind of a weird situation because I was getting stronger and stronger every single, you know, month. Um, but the pain that I had was intensifying every single month along with the strength gain. So it's like, uh, you know, if you looked at my body when I was, you know, 19 to 22, you'd be like, wow, this guy's healthy and in shape. But what you couldn't see well, that was going on behind the curtains was I was like, you know, in physical pain 24 seven. I couldn't even like, I wasn't even functional. I couldn't like play basketball with my friends or go hiking without really flaring up my, my joints. You know, I had bilateral shoulder impingement syndrome, both sides. You know, I had a torn labrum in my right shoulder. I had SI joint pain, my knee hurt, everything just hurt, man. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of the position that I was in a couple of years ago, 27 now. So you, you kind of, you broke out, you started doing heavy compound lifts and like you were, you were probably subscribing to the, you know, the principle of progressive overload that like, if you're getting stronger week over week, you're doing it right. But yep. what what was kind of an unexpected side effect was that everything started to hurt. Yeah. Well, nobody had like, you know, all the strength training books and stuff that I had read, none of them really talked or promoted muscular balance, optimal joint centration, um, you know, improving posture. None of these things were really like important to me. And these are the very things that, you know, were causing these kind of chronic injuries that I was experiencing. And I just was totally neglecting them. Um, because I was so focused on progressively overloading my muscles, making strength gains every single month. Yeah. I, it, it's funny how many similarities we have there and you start looking like you become a student of life. Right. And, and you look at like, you look at people, I mean, it, it does depend on your goals. Like I've had guys at biohacking week that are monsters in the gym and like, they know that some of the habits and lifestyle choices that they have do not promote longevity. 
Yeah. But like they've specifically said, well, I want to look good in my casket. <laughs> yeah. I used to be one of those people, dude. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like a small guy too. You know, you've seen me. I'm like, and I have a pretty small, I'm like ectomorph naturally, but I used to just like, there was like some quote on the internet. It's like, I don't care if I die as long as the casket is big or some <laughs> shit like that. You know, it's like, who talks like this, you know? But uh, yeah. For, so. for the people listening, Blake is not small. He's very strong. <laughs> He's fit. Um, I, I don't. I don't consider you a small guy. Like, I mean, what do you weigh? One hundred eighty. Yeah, you're not a small dude. <laughs> um, I mean, you're strong. You look fit. Um, yeah. But a lot of like a lot of powerlifters and bodybuilders, they they kind of have this mindset that like, okay, I'm going to do this until my body eventually breaks. And that's, that's kind of what tends to happen. You don't see a lot of bodybuilders and powerlifters over 60. No, you don't, man. And it's like people like Ronnie Coleman, like he, he's having trouble walking now, man. Like oh. he, last I saw him, he was like being wheeled around in a wheelchair. I don't, I don't know the specific details that happened, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and Ryan Lee even talks about that. He, he was, uh, I heard him in a podcast. He was like, I don't know anybody that's been lifting heavy for a long period of time that hasn't sustained a variety of different like injuries, you know, even like professionals that, you know, are super aware of kinesiology, fitness, movement, things like that. If they're, you know, I don't just really think the body is designed to do that kind of, you know, heavy compound lifting all the time. You know, yeah, yeah, and and for people listening who are unfamiliar with Ronnie Coleman, it's like I, I think it was either him or Jay Cutler. They were it was probably Ronnie Coleman that was the first to beat Arnold's record of consecutive Mister Olympia titles. I would have to assume it's Ronnie Coleman because he was around for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he just just dominated in the bodybuilding scene, and he also ushered in a a, a radical shift in like what was considered aesthetically pleasing. And it was the, the transition from symmetry and like a lot of the stuff that like Schwarzenegger and, and I think it's Frank Zane and some of those older guys from the seventies had, had, you know, brought like a, almost like an art to it. And he kind of made it in my opinion and other people uh, are entitled to theirs kind of freakish, you know, like the distended belly where like you've got like a pot belly, but you still have abs and like, yeah. you look like a monster <laughs> And then, and we need to look at like, he's, he's getting pushed around in a wheelchair and having trouble walking right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I saw, did you ever see the video? Do you know uh, Dr. Jeffrey life? He wrote the life plan and a bunch of other books. No. So he was a physician, um, an anti-aging physician that was a big advocate of like HGH and um, TRT and, and those types of therapies and made especially famous because of these pictures of him at like 57, where he looked like he was like 80 and um, really out of shape. And then it showed him at like 72 and he was just like this jacked grandpa. Like if you see a picture of him online, you'll be like, Oh yeah, I've seen that dude before. Um, But now I just saw him recently and he was on a video and he was going to be talking about a lot of the false assumptions and mistakes that he'd made. He looked like he was off of everything it was trouble. It was, it, he was having difficulty like formulating sentences on a, on a, a simple mm-hmm. 60 second YouTube video. And, um, so I think we also like any choices that we're making, we want to not just look at the immediate, you know, instant gratification, but the long-term impact that they have on our health. Yeah, man. You know, it's easy to say, to make a comment like, uh, you know, just bear, I don't care if I die, just bury me in a, in a big casket. But 
you know, the thing with the problem with like lifting heavy long-term doing compound lifts long-term and sustaining these chronic injuries long-term is they don't kill you. You know, they just ruin the quality of your life. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to die from, you know, a torn labrum or impingement syndrome or inflammation throughout all of your joints. It's just going to make you miserable and, uh, you know, take away from, you know, everything in your life, you know, try being happy and a productive member of society. If your whole body hurts all the time, right. There's, there's like absolutely nothing that can distract you from happiness and being in the present moment, um, more than an aching body, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And anybody that's ever experienced that can totally relate to that, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So when, you know, t- when, when was, when was the moment that it all changed or when you said like enough is enough? Yeah. So I had been accumulating these, like I would consider them now micro injuries, like impingement syndrome. While it's very painful, it's not really that big of a deal. And it's pretty easy to reverse actually. Um, once you like change the centration of the shoulder joint and get people out of the internally rotated position, so on and so forth. But basically, you know, I had been accumulating micro injuries like that. When I was like 21, I had a, a pretty substantial labral tear in my right shoulder, which required me to have uh, reconstructive surgery to fix that. And I couldn't work out for like six months after that. And I went from like training, like, you know, I had been athletic my whole life and trained almost every day after, uh, you know, high school moving into college. And I, I went from this extremely, you know, intense, you know, active lifestyle to not being able to do anything for like six months. Right. And it, I just felt very depressed. Right. And, uh, the issues that I had, I felt like an old man and I was like 21 years old. I'm like, I should not feel this way. Like my entire body hurts. I'm not even 25 yet. Um, and it became very clear to me that what I had been doing up until that point, which is not sustainable, I had already hit a wall at the age of 21 with what I had been doing. And I knew that, you know, I just couldn't keep going down that road without, you know, progressing even further and making all my, my issues worse. Right. So when that happened, I started to seek all out all sorts of different types of, uh, you know, modalities to help me fix myself, right? I started reading physical therapy textbooks, right? I was in business school, um, but I was reading physical therapy textbooks on the side. Um, you had them, had them tucked inside the cover of your business books? <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I would literally be like, be like reading this stuff. And my friends are like, I'd be doing this like in finance class. My friends are like, what are you doing? Like, what, why are you reading that? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I need to learn this. Um, yeah, but so, you know, I started exploring regenerative medicine. I got involved with a physician in the Detroit area here who later became my business partner and he did PRP, um, and prolotherapy, Mm. which are excellent treatments, but those things, you know, treat symptoms just like surgery does. If you think of the injury as a symptom, um, you know, uh, if you think of the injury as a symptom, you can treat that symptom with surgery or these regenerative medicine treatments like prolotherapy, but you're not getting down to the root cause of that injury. Um, and that's really what I wanted to do. So I started studying, you know, postural restoration, physical therapy, things like that. And basically long story short, I used all that stuff on myself, corrective exercise. So specific strengthening of muscles, um, you know, stretching of muscles, release of certain muscles to change my whole body. And I completely got myself out of all the pain that I was in. 
um, including the pain that I still had in my shoulder post-surgery um, through a combination of corrective exercise and regenerative medicine treatments. And uh, that was when I was like 22, 23, and that was right at the same time I started my YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I kind of knew that uh, what I had used on myself was going to be valuable to other people. So I started teaching people exactly what I used on myself on YouTube. And I now teach people how to do what I did um, for themselves on YouTube. So I teach people corrective exercises that teach them how to take their orthopedic health into their own hands. And that's your Gorilla Zen channel on YouTube? Yep. So if if someone just Google searches YouTube Gorilla Zen, they'll find you? Yeah, Gorilla Zen Fitness. Gorilla Zen Fitness, nice. All right, so the two main categories, if I'm hearing you correct, corrective exercise and regenerative medicine had the biggest impact on you? Yes. Now, if you had to like specifically name just three things, so like corrective exercise wouldn't be one, but like a crucifix stretch would be a good example. Like what are three specific things that had the biggest impact for you? Exercises or just it could be it could be anything. Whatever the three things that had had the biggest impact. Okay, um, gl- glute and core strength. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have this thing going on called lower cross syndrome, which basically causes the pelvis to tilt forward and the lower back to arch inwards excessively. It's called an anterior pelvic tilt with hyperlordosis of the lumbar spine. This is a very common issue. Right. Okay. It just categorizes as uh, lower cross syndrome. Strengthening your butt muscles and your core muscles can actually pull on the pelvis and reorient it into a more neutral position. And that is, you know, something that 99% of the population will benefit from because this is such a common issue. And when you have this going on, it exacerbates pretty much any type of lower back pain that you have, whether that's SI joint pain, lumbar disc pain. If you have any of those injuries going on and you also have this lower cross syndrome thing going on with it, it'll exacerbate. So one major thing that I did for myself and I really emphasize on YouTube is strengthening of the core. And by that, I mean the rectus abdominis, your abs, your obliques, and another muscle called the transversus abdominis and the glutes, right? Those all need to be very strong to keep that pelvis in a neutral position, keep the lower back healthy. So that's a really powerful kind of overall thing that I did for myself and other people can do. Another best, one is... Uh, best core exercise if you could only do one. Uh, hmm. It depends on the, the level of fitness and strength that you are at. Um, but I really like like anti-extension rollouts using like an ab wheel. Um, because that teaches your body how to dynamically stabilize the core. So while you're moving, a lot of people with this lower cross syndrome, um, if they try to do that exercise, they'll arch their lower back really hard and, uh, you know, it'll exacerbate their back pain. So yeah, when you're doing that exercise. You have to keep the core so locked down that you don't arch from the back at all. So that's probably one of the best exercises. Um, but not everybody can do that without hurting their back. You know, that's pretty advanced. So if you can't do that, I would just say plank, right? <laughs> Standard abdominal planks. Uh, they don't require any equipment. You can do them anywhere. And, you know, that's a very good exercise. And what's like, let's say we're talking like an elbow plank. What would you consider to be a good hold time? A good hold time. Like no pain. You're not sitting there with like your lower back screaming or anything like that. But um, 
if someone wants to shoot for a certain amount of time that that you would deem a sufficient amount of core strength, what, what should yeah. they aim for? I would have to just throw out a number and say 30 seconds, but I don't think that the time held is that valuable of a metric. Okay. Uh, it's kind of more about how much contraction you're getting in that muscle, right? Okay. So I always tell people that you're never too advanced for planks because when you work with like high-end athletes and you're like, okay, we're going to do plank, they're like, oh, this is like some stuff that you start beginners off with. Well, that's not entirely true. They, they believe that they can't really get anything out of it because they're so advanced, but you can always contract the muscles harder consciously, right? Yep, yeah. You're holding that position. Yeah. If, if you're somebody that's advanced, you probably just hang out there all day. But if you're squeezing your core and contracting those core muscles as hard as you can, you should theoretically, you know, not be able to hold that for much longer than 30 seconds. If you're contracting your muscles consciously, uh, close to their capacity, you know? Okay, cool. And if you could only do one butt exercise, hip thrusters. Mm, wasn't expecting that. Well, yeah, a lot of my, you know, knowledge of glutes comes from Brett Contreras, the glute guy, right? And he's probably like the go-to authority on glute training. And he uh, basically has done like studies on the glutes and has shown certain movements to promote certain glute contraction. And really the best exercises that promote the most glute contraction are exercises that have an antero-posterior load vector. And that just means the resistance is coming from the front of your hips and going out the back of your hips. So when you're laying on your back, pushing your hips up, gravity's pushing down on your hips. Mm -hmm. That's antero-posterior uh, load vector. It just means that, you know, you want to be like having some sort of resistance, whether that's weights or a cable or just gravity pushing down on the front of your pelvis and you want to be thrusting the pelvis forward against that, um, against that, uh, that resistance. And he proved that this, this gets most, uh, glute contraction through EMG studies that he did. And I mean, that's, that's really interesting because I've noticed that the times that my back pain, um, surfaces, it's usually been a long time since I've done um, anything to release core muscles or, you know, my piriformis and QL. I, if, if I'm not doing like stuff to open up my psoas and, um, my piriformis and QL, uh, I notice some back pain surfacing and I notice I feel much stronger and more stable in my body when I've got hip thrusters as like a part of, uh, my weight training regimen. Yeah, man. And I neglect them a lot. Like you think, butt exercise, everyone immediately goes squat. Yes. You know, and that's, that's not necessarily what you're saying we need. Yeah. Well, again, Brett Contreras proves that in his uh, study too. He had EMGs on people's glutes <laughs> and he had them do a variety of different exercises. Squats and deadlifts have an axial load vector, meaning it's like a vertical load vector. Gravity is pushing straight down on your body vertically. And while those exercises do get some glute contraction, uh, namely at the top when the hips are fully extending, uh, you know, the, the amount of contraction is just far less than, uh, you know, an exercise like hip thrusters. Nice. So nice. if you're really trying to like maximize your glute strength and do some, you know, exercises that are kind of close to isolating the glutes, hip thrusters, much better option. Love it. Okay. So big thing, number one, glute and core strength. Yep. Number two. Number two, I would say is, uh, an exercise called a wall press. Huh. And, uh, the reason for that is this exercise is kind of like a catch all. It like 
trains a lot of different things at once. So if we're just trying to narrow down three things, then this is another powerful thing. And it's one singular exercise. Basically, I have videos on how to perform this on YouTube. Um, but the way it's performed is you sit with your back against the wall, right? You make sure your pelvis, your mid-back, and your head are all in contact with the wall. And then you bring your arms up to the wall and you place them against the wall like you're going to press overhead, like you're going to do a shoulder press or something. And what you want to make sure you're doing is keeping your elbow, your forearm, your wrist, and your shoulder itself all along the wall as you slide up the wall vertically and then come back down. So you're going to push your arms overhead, keeping them in contact with the wall, and then you're going to come back down um, to like a shoulder press starting position. You're just going to do that a couple times. So it kind of, it looks, it almost looks like you're doing a seated overhead press, like the shoulder exercise, but maybe like when we did it wrong in junior high and we would have like the bar behind our head. And neck. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how you do it. Yeah. Okay. All um, right. Cool. And when you do that, you're going to have a propensity to compensate like everywhere, right? Like if you're, if you really focus on keeping your arms on the wall, you're going to notice your lower back starts to arch off of the wall. If you really focus on your lower back on the wall, you're going to notice that your arms kind of flop forward and stay off of the wall. So it really comes down to trying to keep all of those points in contact uh, or all those points in contact with the wall um, as you slide up. And, you know, when, when people see me doing this, they're like, they see this like look of effort and squinting in my eyes when I'm doing it. They're like, what? Like, you don't even have any weights. Like, how is this hard? And I'm like, try to perform this the way that I just did. Um, and you'll find that it's like one of the hardest exercises that you can do. But the reason why this is such a powerful exercise is because it does so much for the body, right? One thing that it does is it helps to counterbalance this internally rotated arm position that we're all in. So most of us have our arms kind of twisted in naturally um, just because we're like typing, working at computers all the time. This is yeah. a major postural distortion that sets you up for impingement syndrome. So when you put your arms on the wall, you're actually externally rotating your arms there. You're helping to stretch the pecs um, and kind of bring some length there. When you slide your arms up the wall too, you're training certain muscles called scapular retractors. And these are muscles that pull the shoulder blades together and open your chest. They're weak in the majority of the population, right? Um, so you're strengthening those, you're stretching the chest, getting out of that internally rotated position into that externally rotated position. And then you're also getting an added benefit of, you know, dynamically training the core because a lot of people, when they press overhead, they'll arch the back, which kind of comes back into that lower cross syndrome thing that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, most people, if you look at the way that they shoulder press, especially when they're doing it standing, you'll see a lot of bending and inwards arching of the lower back. That's not good. That predisposes your lower back to injury. And it also causes you to lose a lot of power and strength. So when you're doing this exercise, when you're sliding your arms up the wall, you brace the core really, really hard and your, your abs should be like on fire when you're doing it. Um, it basically teaches your body and all the muscles of the body to fire in, in an integrated fashion um, to help promote proper joint alignment and stability. Awesome. Um, couple quick questions. Are you holding an isometric squat this whole time? No, you can either sit cross-legged against the wall. Um, you could hold an isometric squat. That's definitely harder. Um, Really, as far as I'm concerned with that, it's more of an upper, upper body oriented exercise. Um, so it doesn't really matter, but holding a full squat would definitely give added benefit to the hips and the knees and low back. But, uh, you know, when I do this, I typically either sit cross-legged or 
sometimes I'll sit in like a butterfly stretch so I can stretch my adductors or I'll sit with my legs out in front of me. It doesn't really matter. You just want the back of your pelvis to be in contact with the wall. So okay. you could do that. And then are you in, in contact from like the tailbone, the back of your pelvis all the way up through yes. the back of your head? Like yeah. maybe a touch of your neck is off, I would imagine, but pretty much yeah. everything else, there's no gaps. You're not like arching and having like your, exactly. your, your mid back or your lower back come off. Correct. Yeah. The cervical spine, the neck and the lower back, the lumbar spine, both have a lordotic curve an inwards curve a little bit. So mm-hmm. Those shouldn't really be touching. Those are the two areas, though, that, you know, are given exclusion. Everything else should be touching. Just maybe not the back of the neck. Maybe the, in the middle of the lower back probably don't want that to be touching either. But for most people, they should probably strive to actually make it touch because they have too much curve in the lower back, you know. Mm-hmm. And is, is this, like, have you worked with people who can't, do that like that this 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 movement alone is too advanced for them and then if so where do you where do you start those folks off at for most people this is actually too advanced Uh, okay for a lot of people they have too much uh tightness in their pecs to allow their arms to get back that far Mm -hmm. um so i might do some you know self myofascial release have them do some self massage with like a ball or something like that in the pectorals followed by some static stretching of the pectorals and then after that, I might have them do this on the ground instead of using a wall where they just lay on their back with mm. their feet planted and they slide their hands up against the floor and back down again uh, to their shoulders. That is a little bit easier because gravity is kind of assisting them a little bit, pressing down on the front of their body, trying to kind of helps them keep their arms flat against the floor. Um, but yeah, those are the things that I usually go to if somebody really can't perform that at all and they're not even close. Um, We'll do some self myofascial release in the pecs. We'll stretch the pecs and then we'll put them on the floor and have them try that out. If that's not helping, then we can do some joint capsule stretches. Um, literally like push their, the head of their humerus back into the joint capsule so that, you know, it, they can find this overhead position a little bit more easier, easy to get into. Are you saying there's some people walking around with a shoulder joint that is almost like, dislocated yeah most of the, most people so uh, that's called like anterior rotation of the, the arm bone the humerus right most people anterior just means towards the front right so because a lot of us are not breathing with their diaphragms because a lot of us are texting all the time we're in this internally rotated position we're slumped forward our pec muscles get tight and you know the chest muscles, specifically the pectorals, more specifically the pec minor, when that thing gets tight, it pulls the head of the arm bone, the head of the humerus forward. Okay. So if you think of the shoulder as a ball and socket joint, I don't, are, are they going to see video of this? We've got it recording right now. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll post it for like the membership site or something fun like okay. that. So most people like what that looks like, this is just called joint centration. Joint mm-hmm. centration speaks to how centered a ball, a joint is pretty much, mm-hmm. right? So most people with this kind of internally rotated position are also going to have this, this position where their shoulders are rounded forwards. And what that does is it sends the head of the arm bone forward into the joint socket. And it basically stretches out the, the tissues in there, can lead to shoulder impingement syndrome and all sorts of things. So uh, it's easier to get a visual of that, but basically people are... Your, your arm bone is supposed to be in the center of the socket, but when you're rounded forward, it's pushed into the front of the socket and it pinches mm-hmm. off the tissues in there. So 
Yeah, sometimes the ligaments actually are tight. Kelly Sarrett shows this in his book, uh, what is it? Becoming a Supple Leopard. He shows you how to stretch your joint capsules, um, stretch these like kind of more coarse, you know, soft tissues like tendons and ligaments um, to actually push the shoulder blade or the, the arm bone, the humerus back further into the joint socket a little bit more. Nice. Um, and so if I'm getting what you're putting out there, so you've got like, you're, you're making a fist and that kind of represents like your, your shoulder ball that goes into the socket, which is like, you know, you've got like your hand cupping and I don't know, almost making like a upside down claw yes. <laughs> and, and so your hands in there. But if, if it's pushing up against the front of the joint and there's that yep. imbalance, then you start applying the principle of progressive overload like you were doing when you were lifting really, really heavy. You're yep. almost like just amplifying an yes. existing imbalance and, yep. and uh, multiplying an impingement so that yep. in, until gradually you're like, you can't lift for six months. Yeah, hey, nailed that on the head. Yeah, uh, physical therapist, Ray Cook, has like a little one-liner that I really like. And he says, never add strength to dysfunction, right? Never so, add strength to dysfunction. Yeah. Never add strength to, the, to dysfunction. If you have these muscle imbalances and these horrible joint centration issues going on and you, and you are strength training, like I will, you're going to lock them in, reinforce them and exacerbate them just like I did. Right. You might be getting objectively stronger. You might be able to lift more weights, but uh, you know, th these, these alignment issues are going to worsen your pain is probably going to worsen and you're actually teaching all those muscles to stay in that position. You're reinforcing it. You're locking it in. Right? I like that. I like Which that. is why corrective exercise. I, when I start working with clients, online coaching clients, I usually have them stop doing all other types of exercise, at least for like two to three weeks before they get back into it. And I'll just have them do exclusively corrective exercise for that period of time to kind of reset their body um, and get them prepared to actually exercise again. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. Like I remember working with uh, a client, Steve Ruff, this was years ago. And like, he was, he was a big CrossFit guy and just kept getting injured, kept throwing his back out. And we had him stop everything for 60 days. All we did was corrective exercise and things that like we knew with certainty weren't going to like worsen his situation mm -hmm. and tons of myofascial release, trigger point work, opening up the, the, the piriformis and the QL and a lot of those like, um, glute muscles and his first workout back, his squat had gone up 25 yeah. pounds. Because like, and, and all he did was like loosen stuff up and fix his posture. Yep. Yeah, man. Your muscles can only contract and shorten if there's length in them already. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so if like somebody has tight pecs, their muscles, their pecs are already contracted. The muscle fiber is already shortened up, which is exactly what they do when you're working them. So if you, if you try to work a muscle that's already contracted and shortened, the muscle fibers have nowhere to go. They can't move anymore. They can't contract. So tight muscles that are all wound up and have, are loaded with trigger points are actually weak. They're going to be weak functionally because they're already in a state of contraction. They're already tight. Those are uh, the, the actin and myosin, which are like contractile filaments in muscles are already shortened up and they just, they literally can't move anymore. So the muscle gets locked up. So yeah, releasing muscles that are, that are loaded with those trigger points that are tight can oftentimes bring about strength gains. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, secret number three. 
So yeah, secret number three, I would have to say are those regenerative medicine injections I was talking about. So I know you're up on these. Um, one is PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma. That involves like drawing your blood out, centrifuging it, isolating the plasma and growth factors from your own blood, shooting that with a syringe directly into the injured tissue. That's cool. And, um, but prolotherapy, um, which is basically just a dextrose injection, it's sugar water. Um, this is actually just as effective, right? So I have a lot of physician friends that do both. PRP costs like five times as much. Um, and it sounds fancier, but really in terms of the results that it gets to patients, it's just as effective, if not even less effective than prolotherapy from what I've heard. Um, and I can speak to that uh, anecdotally too, because I've had both done. But basically the prolotherapy, what this does is that it initiates more acute inflammation. The dextrose actually irritates the tissues in there and gets your body to respond to that injection as though that area was seriously injured. So your body starts sending in, you know, these, these cells called fibroclasts, osteoclasts, these remove dead tissue and bone. And then after that, they send in fibroblasts and osteoblasts. And these are actually cells that lay down new tissue and regenerate an area. So it's kind of like hard sell for some people like, oh yeah, this injection is going to make it hurt more and it's going to inflame the area more. But you know, you just, I usually remind my clients when I, when they're going in for this treatment that, uh, you know, it's just a little bit of temporary pain for lasting, you know, relief. It's going to actually help the area heal, which is the exact opposite of what something like a cortisone shot would do. But I also want to make it very clear that this should be something that should be done in end stage after you've addressed your muscular balance, your joint centration, your alignment, um, and any systemic inflammation issues that you have going on, just like surgery, right? Because this is treating something like a symptom, okay? So like, just like surgery, if you tore your rotator cuff and you had surgery to repair it, but you never did anything, you took no steps to address whatever factors were involved that allowed that joint to become injured in the first place, and you're just going in there and fixing the aftermath, there's nothing stopping that from happening again, right? So a lot of people will just get prolotherapy and PRP therapy, you know, it might help them off a little bit, but then their pain comes back because they're ignoring these foundational things that are behind their pain in the first place. So, you know, for that reason, I always recommend doing corrective exercise first, optimizing joint alignment, muscular balance. You know, is corrective exercise going to tear a torn or a fix a torn rotator cuff that maybe tore because of you because you had these bad you know postural things, these muscular imbalances? No, it's not going to fix that, right? You, uh, you could if like I always say, like if a car axle breaks because your tires are misaligned. You can go in and realign the tires, but that's not going to fix the axle that's broken. It already broke, right? So it might prevent future damage. Uh, it might prevent other injuries from happening um, or other mechanical breakdowns, but you still have to go in and fix that, you know, that mechanical breakdown where it happened in conjunction with the exercises. So this is, this is fantastic. The, and, and a lot of people may hesitate because they're like, Oh, injecting sugar water into the joint. Like that does not sound healthy. Like we, we we're well aware of the negative health implications of consuming sugar. Why would we just inject it into the joint? But like I had, I had surgery on my knee back in high school and college and like the entire, um, way that the surgery was performed was they opened me up. They essentially took like a scalpel and did damage to the, the, the tendons and ligaments to bring the body's attention to that area and say like, Oh, there's a problem. I need to heal this. So it's like, 
there's an underlying, you know, we were talking about root causes earlier. There's this underlying root cause of the body is not effectively identifying a need for healing to take place. So you have to worsen the, um, the situation for your body to be like, okay, I get it. You know, like, hello, McFly, you had to inject some sugar in there, but it works. Um, and, and I did this with, um, I had a nagging injury with my elbow for a long time. I kind of went AWOL on, uh, on pull-ups and my right, I, I developed golfer's elbow on my right side and, um, prolozone, which is where they inject ozone into the joint along with I, I, some B vitamins and other things. There, there may even be, um, sugar water in there, but, um, was incredibly effective. And like, basically they, they're, you, you get, usually it takes three to five injections, injections it took me four. Um, and there's more and more time between injections. So maybe you get the first one and then like a few days later you get the second one. And then a week later you get the third one. And then like two or three weeks later you get the fourth one. And that just like knocked it out. Problem never came back. Yeah, man. It's an amazing, it really is an amazing treatment. Um, yeah. and it's oftentimes like a, a total alternative to surgery, right? Mm-hmm you have a small soft tissue tear in your rotator cuff or something like that. And you go to see a surgeon, they'll tell you, yeah, we can do a keyhole surgery orthoscopic. You know, we can fix that surgically. Um, uh, but if you saw a regenerative medicine doctor, that same small tear might be completely fixed just with, with a couple rounds of this instead of, you know, an expensive surgery that leaves your joint permanently compromised for the rest of your life. And how does PRP compare to prolotherapy in effectiveness? Like, let's say someone just had money to blow the, the, the 5X price of PRP wasn't an issue. Are, are they comparable? Is PRP better? Is prolotherapy better? What have you seen work? Yeah. So, um, from a lot of the friends that I have that are physicians, they say that they're equal in efficacy. So okay. I wouldn't say necessarily that PRP is any less, you know, effective than, um, than Prolo is, but it is five times the price. But, you know, like you said, if you're somebody that's in a position where that doesn't really matter to you, then maybe I I would probably go with PRP Um, because what you're just the underlying mechanisms behind that, how that works, you're literally isolating, you know, the growth factors and plasma from your blood and putting that right where it needs to be. So, um, you know, I'd have to imagine that that is definitely not going to be any less effective than uh, prolotherapy. So if you can afford it, I would probably go for that. Very cool. And like, I, this is- I think they're like uh, mutually exclusive too. I think some doctors administer both. Uh-huh. All right. That's, that's good to know. You know um, what I thought about too? This is like weird. Um, I just, <laughs> it's the prolotherapy solution. This is like an off tangent is just literally saline and dextrose oftentimes. And it it produces that much inflammation. So imagine like what eating a high uh, carb diet, you know, with lots of like sugar (laughs) can do to your systemic inflammation, right? Yeah. You literally like put that, a a little localized injection of of sugar into your muscles or your your joint tissue. um, And it causes an inflammatory reaction right there. Like a one. <laughs> Think about that. The, the most effective things we've found for initiating inflammation are <laughs> yes. refined, are like salt and processed sugar, refined yeah. salt and processed sugar. Yeah. How uh, weird is that? I never really <laughs> thought about it that way. <laughs> oh, that's great. Blake, this is, um, these are some fantastic tips. And I think people who are dealing with pain have a lot that they could take away. Um, it, it doesn't mean that it's not like that getting a body that's out of balance back into balance is easy, 
but at least you're not going to waste years or, or decades trying things that won't work for people that want more of, uh, more of, of your wisdom and strategies, what's the best way for them to, uh, to follow you and to, to check out, you know, some of your programs. Yeah, man. Um, YouTube, you know, I upload on there every single week, pretty much every week I'm uploading different corrective exercises that I've discovered through my continuing education, um, coming up with new exercises that I've invented. Um, you know, all of the kind of stuff that I upload is all centered around the stuff that we talked about here today. I, my focus is really putting, you know, the power into the hands of the people that watch my videos so that they can take responsibility and control over their own joint health. And they're not being, you know, jacked around by the medical system. Um, not really getting any relief, having doctors tell him bullshit advice. Like if it hurts, don't do it. Um, kind of stuff like that. <laughs> you know? Beautiful. You, yeah. YouTube gorilla Zen. What's what, what program, um, have more people picked up than any of your others? Um, probably intelligent strength or in interior pelvic tilt solution. So these are both courses that I have available on my website. Um, intelligent strength is a strength training program that lasts for three months that people can basically use to, you know, get in shape, whether that means lose fat or gain muscle while promoting muscular balance and improving their posture. So that one's really cool for that. Um, and anterior pelvic tilt solution, that's basically, a bunch of different corrective exercises, all designed to fix an anterior pelvic tilt, which we talked about earlier today. It's a major cause and contributor to lower back pain. So those are two of my most popular programs. Beautiful. And what's that website? It's gorillazen.com. G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A-Z-E-N.com. You can spell it like monkey too. They'll all redirect or like a gorilla, not, not a monkey, but a primate, um, they all redirect to my website. But uh, I do spell gorilla like gorilla fighter with two E's and two R's. Beautiful, man. Well, Blake, this has been amazing and fun hanging out. And uh, I'm going to work on getting you, getting you to come to LA next week so we can hang out in person. This episode is brought to you by Bioptimizers. That's bioptimizers.com. And more specifically, there are two products that I use every day, Masszymes and P3OM Probiotics. Masszymes is a medical-grade enzyme formulation that increases your enzyme potential, allowing for optimal protein digestion and absorption necessary for growth. Additionally, the formulation cleanses your GI tract of undigested protein while improving energy and cognitive function, all the while reducing the resources needed for the metabolization of food. And less resources being allocated toward the metabolization of food by your body means more energy for you. Masszymes is the strongest proteolytic enzyme formulation on the market today, and at 85,000 HUTs, it contains more protease per capsule than any other formula. P3OM probiotics are a patented probiotic formula developed by one of the world's leading probiotic experts. P3OM uses a patented process to enhance L plantarum's capacities, resulting in a new super strain that may be the most powerful probiotic developed. This probiotic is designed to help you combat viruses, retroviruses, and super bacteria. I use P3OM and Masszymes every day, along with a number of other probiotic supplements that I cycle, which is an important aspect of getting the 
the best effect from your probiotics. So you never want to take probiotics. You never want to take the same probiotic every single day, and you never want to take the same amount every single day. So I am constantly cycling in different probiotics that I have found to be the most effective, changing up their dosage to keep the body adapting and constantly evolving. So you can save 10% on your first order of P3OM probiotics and Masszymes by going to buyoptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com and entering discount code biohacks, that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, at checkout. So once again, that's Masszymes and P3OM probiotics, and you can save 10% on your first order at buyoptimizers.com with discount code Biohacks. 